with Stuart Pink and Mark Searby. Yes, it is. It's Film Reviews and Movie News with me, Stuart Pink. And legend has it, he's the last living heir to Downton Abbey. But he's never been because he can't find the keys. It's Mark Sibby. <laughs> Hello. Um, yeah, Hello. That, that would be about right. That would be about right. Yeah. But I've said this to <laughs> you before. I've told you this before. There is no way I would be any part of the Grantham family. I, you know I would be downstairs. Oh, yeah, with a man of the people. Well, downstairs guy. I don't like to brag, but, you know, yes. <laughs> Humble. Humble, yes, yes, <laughs> maybe, maybe. He'll be downstairs reviewing the movies in the pantry. Yeah, something okay. like that. Yes, I'd this, like this to is... be, oh, blimey, I've forgotten his name now, um, the guy who was downstairs and then fell in love with the young lady upstairs and then he, he oh, moved upstairs. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of his name now. That's everyone's dream, isn't it? Really? It kind of is. It kind of is. Yes. I think Billy Joel wrote a song about it. Yeah. <laughs> In the end, I don't think that would be me. I'm afraid. No, definitely downstairs. I'm, I'm, I imagine I'm much more of a Carson character than anything else, really. Um, that's Directly. yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> For anybody who's not seen Downton Abbey, then I don't know who that is. So sorry. There we go. Yeah, I was trying to think exactly who that was. I've seen a, a few episodes. You've seen a few um, episodes, honestly, dear, oh dear. Only because I've been tied to the chair and made to watch oh, it. Do you past, know what? But... <laughs> I I had no interest in watching it. I was like you. I was like, I don't think so. And then um, about after the fourth or fifth series, maybe, I, started, I, I bought the box set and I started to watch Ooh. it and I just became addicted to it. I was just like, this is... So many people are. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, bizarre. Yeah. I mean, it's fluff, really. You know, there's no <laughs> real peril to anything. But it's fluff. so addictive. It's unbelievable. And then I just found myself just watching it all the time. Um, it's like reality TV, but back in the old days. Well, kind of, yeah. Yeah, just peering <laughs> into their lives, you know. Um, so, yeah, yeah. I've, it is well done. It is very yeah. well done. It is very well done. I have to say it is a very good uh, TV series. Anybody who hasn't seen it, I, I would recommend checking it out because, you know, I'm not the target audience. I'm really not. But I did fall in love with it. Um, and, you know, yeah. obviously subsequently went on to the, the first movie that they did, which I was really excited about. And it was actually really good. And now we have a sequel, which we're going to talk about in a bit, aren't we? We're not going to talk about it now. Yes, in a while, in a while. In a while, in the yes. Shall we start with a movie in a genre that you hate? Uh, yeah, this is more your bag. Yes. Um, or something I'm going to be hiding behind a pillow for. <laughs> so in cinemas now, <laughs> Orphan, First Kill. Um, oh, no. Yeah, I know. <laughs> no good for you, this is. So you won't remember this because you're far too young for this. Uh, but back in 2009, Orphan was a very successful horror movie. I mean, it was a huge hit around the globe and it was genuinely freaky as well. Um, Isabel Furman, who plays Esther, was amazing in the film. Absolutely brilliant. Um, and it sort of became like a modern day horror icon, Esther did, really. Um, mm. Yeah, because of the freaky look. I mean, if you if you've seen the original movie, you know what I'm talking about, and if you've seen the poster, you'll know what I'm talking about. I can picture the the image yes. from the vi- video. I yes, think. so she's yeah. got a very um, icon. Uh, 
slightly chiseled face, I guess, that goes into a point on the chin and then she's got pigtails and whatever else. It's, it's quite scary. So now we have... Scary dark very eyes. Very dark yeah. eyes as well. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Which, you know, is a hint as to what is to come. <laughs> so now we have a sequel. Obviously, what is this? Uh, what, 15 years later? 15? No, no, no. Nine, uh, 14, 13, whatever it is. Now we have a sequel. So basically, yeah. it's actually a prequel because in this movie, we see Esther escape from an Estonian psychiatric facility, travel to America by impersonating the missing daughter of a wealthy family. So this is this is how we discover the background to Esther and how she ended up in America and the events leading up to her being taken in by the oh. Coleman family. So you do have to have seen Orphan to really appreciate where this film is coming from and where eventually it ends up in this one. But you know where it's going later on, basically. Okay, yeah. So, but what I'm saying is watch the first one. Got to do a bit of homework. Yeah, you got to do a bit of homework. It's no problem because the first one's great. The first one's really good. I was going to say, it's a bit of a hit, wasn't it? Yeah, it it was, yeah. So it's no problem. It's not at all. Yeah. Uh, So this one, is it worth the return of this character and the answer is sort of but in a very different way because early on we see esther in this psychiatric facility and do discover a bit more about her abilities and then how she escapes from it but really the film doesn't start properly until she's taken in by the albright family who she who they think she is their missing daughter obviously she's not she's just stolen the identity Oh, I know. Exactly. Now, the reason this all kicks off is because of a plot twist about halfway through the movie that is is so out there that I I was like, I'm not going to spoil it. okay? but it does need to be spoken about in, in kind of vague terms. The reason, obviously, it needs to be spoken about in vague terms is because it's such a bizarre twist that ultimately after it happened, I kept pinching myself that this is what they've dreamed up. This is the thing. Really? Okay. I mean, it's the weird thing is it's not out of the realms of the film. It just feels completely alien considering this is an origins movie. You know, it it's weird because it feels as if what happens after the twist would have had a huge knock on effect to Esther that then would have changed the course of the original movie. You know, things oh. happen in this film that should be spoken about in the original movie based on the characters and their knowledge of Esther, but they don't. So instead, the film feels very much like it has dialed up the horror with a twist that I think would have been better placed in a sequel rather than a prequel because of how it changes the dynamic of the character and the story that we know. So, yeah, so you come into then the, the new one or the old one. At a different kind of level. Yes, exa- that's the thing. Yeah. That's the thing. So it really sort mm. of threw me off. I mean, it's a twist that I think a lot of people are going to be talking about. I will certainly talk about it a, a, a long time. And it's a clever twist. That's the thing. Like, it kept me interested, even though I was going, really, this is the thing. But I was still interested in it because I'm like, well, I guess if you're going to go with this, go with it. Great. Fantastic. Is the film itself any good? It's okay. It's pretty standard horror stuff. 
I don't think it's anywhere near as good as the first film, but then the first film sort of came out of nowhere and we didn't know who Esther was. This one, we know who she is um, and, and, you know, is doing a good job. I think if you're a fan of the first film, you're going to be a fan of this. And I have to say I am. That's the thing. I love the first movie. This one, I yeah. like this one as well because, as I said, I think Esther is now a really good modern-day horror. I don't want to say icon, but... Let's go with character. That's the best way. I, I, you know, I don't. I'm not going to put her in the same uh, area as Freddy or Jason or Candyman or anything else like that. I just, mm. it's close, but I think she's a very good horror character. Like whoever's created her has done a really good job with this. Um, so the film itself, I liked. I think we're going to be talking about the twist a lot of times, maybe not in good ways. Maybe in bad ways, maybe in good ways. It depends on where you <laughs> fall down. I, I'm kind of down the middle of, oh right, okay, this is weird, but let's just go with it. So good film, yeah, worthy sequel. Not as good as the first, but still, if you are a fan of the first, I think you will enjoy this. Bit of a nostalgia trip because it's been a while since the first one came out. So I guess it's nice to kind of bring it all back. Yes, um, and people are going to say, well, is Isabel Furman back as Esther. She is. Obviously, that causes a few complications because now Isabel Furman is in her 20s. Yeah. What they've done is very cleverly done some camera trickery and some really good editing that in any other film, I would say this looks atrocious. But in this film, it makes it look freaky. And I, I kind of like <laughs> yeah, that about it. In some it. ways. Makes it scary. Yeah, that's the thing. So good camera trickery, you know, freaky CGI type stuff on the on the face and whatever else, um, which only adds to this movie. And Is Isabella Thurman, uh, as with all horror actresses, um, seemingly not aging in any well, way. Well, yeah, this um, is, so. do you know, this is the weird thing. <laughs> I looked her up online afterwards just to see, because, I mean, she's a very successful actress in her own right, outside of the Orphan franchise now. And there yeah. was a picture of her and she dyed her hair blonde. And I was like, she look. I mean, she hardly looks like she's aged. I mean, yes, granted she has, but she's still got the sort of same facial features, bone structure and everything. And I'm like, wow, okay. I can see why they've managed to be able to pull her back in and say, listen, we're not going to have to change too much here. That's it. Yeah. And they've, they've done, <laughs> as I said, it's been done pretty well. It's been done very cleverly. Excellent. So, Orphan First Kill, you need to see the second one. No, you need to. Original. So, you need to have seen Orphan before you see yeah. Orphan First Kill to really appreciate what's all okay. happening. I don't think you can do First Kill, even though it's a prequel. I don't think you can do that first before seeing the before seeing Orphan. Okay. No. So, where can you where can you see it? Where so, it Orphan First Kill is in cinemas now. In cinemas, excellent. See it with someone so you can hold their hand for the duration. <laughs> That's you. That's them. you. Listen, I watched this on my own. <laughs> I was fine. Front and center. Like, give it yeah, to me. exactly. So Front row. Here we go. Put it into <laughs> me. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Excellent. All from first kills out now. There's another film around about the same era. I'd love the thought that maybe the same character could be in this next one somewhere. <laughs> Slot those two together. I, d I, I don't know how that would work, but fine. So on DVD and Blu-ray, Downton Abbey, A New Era. 
Oh, dun, dun. another new another era. New era. Yeah, new exactly. So um, try and keep up with this synopsis. Violet Crawley <laughs> is the recipient of a villa in the south of France from a man she met several decades ago. Lord and Lady Grantham decide to travel to the villa and meet the current owners. While back at Downton, a film crew is shooting its latest silent movie there. Oh, okay. And that doesn't, Damn, is it going that on there? doesn't even bring into account what's happening downstairs as well with the servants, okay? There's oh, like, there's, there's, there's stuff going like on there more as drama well. going on downstairs. Yeah, look, I'm, yeah. we discussed this not 10 minutes ago that I love Downton Abbey, but a second film? Really? Come on. Come on. I mean, really? <laughs> oh, what was the first one? Just a brief reminder. The Queen came or something. Did yeah, you... yeah, yeah. Like, you know. And the water ran out. Yeah. I told you, <laughs> there's not much peril to it. This is the thing. I like that movie. I think it was the perfect way to end the series. Now we've got a new era. Now, do we actually need a sequel? I would have said no. In fact, I've been saying no for months. But having seen the film, <laughs> I'm probably a little oh. bit in the wrong here because this is a lovely little oh. movie that feels much like the other movie, like an elongated episode of the TV show. I mean, you know, it it doesn't matter anyway because it's charming. It's fun as well. I mean, yes, the initial storyline about Lady Crawley being gifted this holiday villa in France is, is terribly wishy-washy. I mean... Oh dear, it's so <laughs> thin. It's yeah. unbelievable. We've all had a villa in France gifted to us. Yeah, we? but yeah, by some somebody who she hasn't that. seen in 50 years. I mean, ah, <laughs> dear, you know. But the, weirdly, the yeah. film does a good job of keeping it just the right side of interesting and entertaining. So the Grantham entourage, and I do mean entourage here, descend on the villa and have it out with the current with the current family who don't really understand why someone who they've never met or even heard of has now got their favorite holiday place as i said it's really wishy-washy okay the line is very faint there um but it's still yeah. done in a heartfelt and kind of endearing manner but that's the beauty of downton abbey is that it goes ah oh, listen it's it's not tongue-in-cheek, but you could look at it that way. But at the same time, it's heartfelt, it's endearing, you might shed a few tits. Okay. That's the way it okay. is. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, certainly the best storyline in this film is the film crew turning up at Downton Abbey because there's a bit of a spark to this. So basically, two silent movie stars are making their last silent movie before the talk is hit big. Oh, What's okay. hilarious yeah. in this is the gorgeous and glamorous female actually doesn't have a voice for the talkies it turns out she's from the east end of london so she talks like that <laughs> which obviously is not oh, going to go down well yeah. with the talkies when you have this glamorous blonde you're not going to believe how they, <laughs> they work it out for the film because obviously they want the talkies filmed at downton abbey you're not going to believe it only step forward lady mary who is drafted in to dub her voice over the top because, yes, Lady <laughs> Mary has the most posh voice in England, really. Oh, of course. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, voice over actress that's in the, the thing. So let me, let me reiterate <laughs> this. It's a movie about a silent film being made that is actually just as the talkies are coming in and they need somebody to dub the voiceover of somebody who doesn't have the best voice. Now, there's going to be people out there now going, I've heard of this before. That's right, you have. It's in a movie called 
singing in the rain. Oh, God, yeah. It's exactly the same. (laughs) They ripped off Stanley Donan's film. No. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's the thing. So, Oh, the cheek of it is probably the same. I know. (laughs) So I, I say ripped off. Lovingly homaged is what we should be saying. Yeah, yeah. It's always a homage. Exactly. Um, Either way, (laughs) whether they've ripped it off, whether it's a loving homage, it works in the only way it can work in a Downton Abbey story in that it actually does work, even though it shouldn't. As I said, there's no peril at Downton Abbey. The only peril they've got really is, um, oh, no. Who's going to dub the voice? I mean, that's that's as bad as it gets. And I think there might be an issue with yeah. some of the food downstairs. I think some of the food might have gone off. I can't quite remember. Um, you know, I mean, let's face it, even the servants, butlers, cooks, etc., aren't exactly struggling in this movie either. It's all very nice. It's all very familiar. But that's what us Downton Abbey fans want. And We don't want, like, planes crashing. No, into I don't want... Listen, we've had no. enough heartbreak... Over the years with the TV series. They've been through a lot, to be fair. They have. They really have. Yeah. And the thing is, it it gives us a few more goodbyes to some characters in very nice ways. And it does tie up a lot of loose ends from the previous movie, which at the end I was kind of like, well, I'm not really bothered if they don't tie it up. It's fine. But I think they do it here. Apart from it being called A New Era, that's the weird thing. Like, do I want another film after this? No, not really. But then I said that about the last one, and this sequel actually turned out to be rather good. So maybe mm, one yeah. more from Mr. Fellows wouldn't go amiss in a few years, maybe? Yeah, go on, Julian. Make it just, Yeah, just one more. That Make would be happen. nice. That would be nice, yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so Downton Abbey, a new era. Um, where's it at? So it's on DVD, Cinemas? Blu-ray and on digital oh, platforms oh, okay. as well. So, you know, all of the all of the modern trappings that the Grantham family certainly didn't have. Yes, yeah. <laughs> on VHS and silent. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. Yes. And... <laughs> yes. Downton Abbey a new era or Downton Abbey singing in the Spain. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. That is brilliant. <laughs> Downton Abbey singing in the Spain. That's well they, I mean, they don't go that's to Spain, it. they go to France, but, you know. Oh, oh that's... It's, it's fine, it's fine, yeah. I get it. But, yeah, oh, you're right. Mind. That's that's good, I like that. <laughs> what else you got for us? Uh, so, on DVD and Blu-ray this week, Firestarter. This is Firestarter. about a young girl who tries to understand how she mysteriously gained the power to set things on fire with her mind. Ooh, okay. Yes, I can do that. <laughs> it was my sister's birthday, and I managed to relight the candle by just commanding it. Or were they just relightable candles? Let's say no. Right. Okay. Um, Fine. Because maybe not. No. Definitely not. Because if you can do that, then you might be in with a chance of being in the Firestarter sequel. That's the thing. Oh right. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. They're definitely not reliable candles. Right, okay. Let's say, but then yeah. you might not want to be in this. So, look, let's let's say this. Yes, it is a new version of... It's a new film version of the novel by Stephen King. Yes. Oh, yeah. Exactly. You remember okay. the original with Drew Barrymore in it? Well, you don't, I've, I've but you've probably... never seen it, but I've, yeah, I've heard yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. So... Too scary for me. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> I mean, I think, I think Firestarter is a great film. I really do. I think it's a very good adaptation of King's work. Um, 
So this is another example of a filmmaker in a studio deciding that they can put a new spin or idea on a much-loved horror film. I mean, how many times have we seen this and it quickly failed? Nine out of ten, mm. ten out of ten, where they've gone, it's a remake, it's a reimagining, or whatever they want to call it, basically. It's, it's just inferior to the original. Well, we might as well put Firestarter on that pile as well, because this is achingly dull. There is just oh. no suspense to the, anything in the film. The young girl, Charlie, is not a patch on Drew Barrymore's version in 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 the original movie. It's almost as if they decided to hire somebody just based on the fact that they look like Drew Barrymore and not the fact that they could bring something new to proceedings. <laughs> but then I don't blame the actress for any of this. I, I do think it is down to the lifeless direction and a script that really offers nothing in terms of it being new or slightly different. I mean, it, in fact, what's happened is everything that made the original movie and the novel really scary and intense has been ripped away in favour of making a horror film that isn't a horror film. It's just boring to watch. I mean, every time Charlie fires up, the camera cuts away just before she burns someone because clearly the studio have gone, hang on, we don't want a proper horror film. We just want to make got the money for the fire. Yeah, exactly. We want to make it a 12. <laughs> so, so younger oh. people can watch it um, because that's where the money is. At least that's the thing. I mean, it's a hideously cynical attempt at cashing in and the film really shows it. That's the problem. Like you can literally see where the film would have expanded some scenes into full on horror, but instead they cut away because we don't want full on horror. No, no, that's not what we're doing. We're not doing that. Oh, Okay. Actually, that could be good for me. Is it less scary than... than... You, do, you, do you know, it's, that's a good question. <laughs> it's more accessible for us wimps. I, yeah, <laughs> you're probably right on that, is that it would be... I think you would be okay with this version, but then why would you want to watch it? Because it is really dull. I mean, the acting's quite poor. And pardon me for, for getting on my high horse here, but I'm going to for a minute. Why is Zac Efron in this movie? The guy is such a good actor. Oh, yeah, I hadn't realised. But in this, he looks completely lost, almost like his career has disappeared and it's come crashing down and now he's reduced to these types of horror remakes just so he can keep acting. I mean, the man looks embarrassed to be in the film and he is greatly <laughs> underused in it as well, which I guess is a positive for him anyway. But yeah. I don't understand why he's in it. He shouldn't be in this movie. It's oh. a terrible movie. He's, well... <laughs> he's as I said, the acting's really poor, which is a surprise from Zac Efron because I, I think he's a great actor. He's, yeah, he's usually he's good. Usually good. Yeah. yeah, I don't know what he's doing in this. I really don't. Uh, anyway, off my high horse. The film is instantly <laughs> forgettable. It's dull. It's not scary. I, I just, I, you know, you brought up that question: Would I like it? And I think you'd be okay with it because there's not horror in it, really. But I still think you would be really bored. I really do. Just. The, the answer here is mm, just yeah. watch the original movie with Drew Barrymore because it is superior in every single way than this pointless remake. <laughs> they brought the story back. I mean, Stephen King must be pleased. It's brought it back into the public eye. I can't imagine um, so, really. Um, no, you know, Stephen no. King's got enough money from all the other stuff anyway. Um, yeah, I just... <sighs> I, d I don't know. You know, it's King's King adaptations are in vogue at the moment. Let's be honest. The past few years since it, 
They've been involved. It's been a lot. Yeah. yeah. So few, clearly they've gone, well, everybody knows Firestarter. Let's redo Firestarter. And that's what's happened. And unfortunately, we're left with somebody who's yeah. been put out by a fire extinguisher. <laughs> it didn't have a spark for It you. didn't. It really didn't. No. It did not leave you with a burning desire to no, watch it No, absolutely not. It only left me thinking, why didn't I watch the original? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so where can we get the original? Have, well, have the we original is I mean, on a really good Blu-ray release. Um, ah, yeah, okay. which I, I think came out about three or four years ago. Really good quality to it as well. Um, that's the place. That's the place on the Blu-ray. Absolutely. Yeah. Go there. Yeah, I mean, this this version's on Blu-ray as well, but why bother? <laughs> get a good one. Yeah, exactly. Get the original. <laughs> it's so much better. Or go all the way to the source and read King's original novel, you know. Yeah, I mean, he's got some great books. He has, yes. Like we've got them all on the shelf. I'm just too scared to pick yes. them up, to be Yeah, to be fair, I mean, he is, is the reason why he's seen as one of, if not the best horror writer in the world. So, Yeah, he's got some great advice for writers as well. He's always putting out stuff. Bit of a ledge. Yes, I agree. I agree. Do, do you know what, actually? His book, writing, I can't remember what it is. It's like Stephen King on writing or something else like that. Brilliant book. Absolutely amazing book for anybody who's a writer. Uh -huh. Highly recommended. It's really good. And it's quite funny as well. So that's a good book. Nice. He shares his craft. He does. But uh, unfortunately, he also shares the plots to his movies with people who make rubbish. Yeah, but, sometimes. you know, that's that's just the unfortunate <laughs> thing. And I, I think if if memory serves me right, he, he signs away it for a dollar and then is basically like, yeah, do whatever, you know, I'm not going to be involved. And that's why he doesn't like a lot of his movie adaptations. You know, he's he was very critical mm. about uh, Shawshank Redemption. He's been very critical about a few other movies as well. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh. So he doesn't really get involved at all. No. That's probably the best way to be, you know. He just basically <laughs> signs it off and then goes, do what you want. And then obviously people want his... Um, his green light to say, yes, uh, Stephen King really liked this version. Uh, no word on if Stephen King really likes this version of Firestarter. I suspect he will be say staying silent on that. <laughs> Don't blame him. So what do you got for us next week, Mark? So next week, we've got another period drama, British period drama. It's called Mr. Malcolm's List. So oh. if you're a fan of Bridgerton list. or Sanditon, all the others, um, this one oh, might be okay. for you. And then mm -hmm. uh, DVD and Blu-ray, we're going to be talking about the new Alex Garland movie, which is called Men. Um, Alex Garland, you may recall, made uh, Annihilation, which was an amazing sci-fi movie. He also did Ex Machina as well, um, wrote oh, 28 yeah. Days Later as well. So, you know, the guy's guy very cool. much operates in sci-fi era. And then we're also going to be talking about uh, a film called Wolf, which is a movie Oof. where do you know what i'm not going to spoil it no i'm no. i'm not going to oh, spoil oh, it gonna leave it there yeah i'm going to leave it there you're going to have to tune in next week um yeah and we'll hope it's a full moon and we'll have a howl <laughs> <laughs> film reviews and movie news with Stuart Pink and Mark Searby. Thanks for listening to Film Reviews and Movie News. We've been doing this little podcast for years now. Mark has watched and expertly reviewed hundreds of films 
and I've made hundreds of terrible jokes. They're all available to listen to again if you subscribe to the Film Reviews and Movie News podcast. It's freely available wherever you get your podcasts from, or you can find all the latest episodes and everything else I do online at stuartpink.com. <laughs>